there's nothing that can keep you down. If you can fail and stand back up, you can rule the world. If you need support along the way, give me a call. It's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. The Health in the Real World podcast is sponsored by... Hi, this is Chris Janke, host of the Health in the Real World podcast. When I'm not interviewing podcast guests, I'm training and teaching fitness to my wonderful clients. If you don't have a trainer, coach, or teacher who's helping you with your fitness, text me and I can get you started for free. Text WORKOUT to 408-883-4442. Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke and I'm joined today with Melissa Ebkin. Melissa is a spiritual coach. She authored a book, Teach Us to Pray, an ancient model for modern day, and has a podcast called Pursuing Uncomfortable. I love that name. Uh, Melissa, welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. Uh, This is, uh, I think this is really needed. I think uh, so many people are looking for sort of like a modern practical way to get in touch with our spirituality and um, give us a little bit more information about you and about uh, about how you started doing this. Thank you. I've been a pastor for more than 20 years and I have seen the impact it can have in someone's life when they tend to their spiritual health. And spiritual health doesn't necessarily mean a religious foundation. I have a lot of friends who are spiritual and not religious. I have a lot of friends who are a part of a church. I have a lot of friends who are part of a synagogue and what have you. But the thing we have in common as human beings is that we are embodied spirits. And when we want to be as healthy as we can, it's important to include that aspect of our health as well. And being able to support people over two decades to grow in that way spiritually and emotionally along with their physical health. It's been a tremendous gift to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't, you don't have to adhere to a specific religion or a, a specific uh, uh, dogma, so to speak. You can sort of find it your own way. You were talking about Reiki a minute ago and, mm-hmm. you know, Reiki is sort of a way to get in touch spiritually with, with the, in, the inner self kind of, right? Um, how did you, how did you get on the path to becoming a a minister? And, and so you said you've been doing it for 20 years. How did that all, how did that all start? Wow. Well, I was a biologist. I was a molecular genetic biologist. So you have the, you have like the evolution and the big bang theory all wrapped into one. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) And it's the same language, Chris, whether we come at it from a spiritual point or a scientific point or a cultural point, it's all the same language. It's all sacred language. And when we can allow our minds to let all of that in, it's just, it's transforming. 
I agree a hundred percent. And you know, uh, Albert Einstein has that famous quote. I think something like the more, the more he studied, you know, with like scientific methods, the more he was convinced in the existence of God. Yeah. Isaac Newton has a similar one that when I, a little bit of knowledge took me away, but a whole lot of knowledge brought me back. Mm, and wow. uh, where I live, we had a chemical plant explosion near our town um, several years ago. And it lives on in the folklore of our village. Kids that are alive now that weren't then, they know all about that explosion. And inevitably, when they get to sixth grade and in the fall in November, when they hit that part of the science class where it talks about evolution, they look me up and they say, hey, wait a minute, what am I supposed to do with this? And I talk about that chemical plant explosion and I invite them to wonder a bit and ask them if a physicist and a poet both witnessed it happening and they both wrote about it, would they write the same things? You know, mm. of course not. Does that mean one of them's wrong? Of course not. And right. that allows them then entry into thinking in a broader sense. The Dalai Lama says there are over 7 billion people on the planet and there should be over 7 billion different religions. Right? <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> So how do you, so how do you take your um, sort of your your study your your passion your knowledge and how do you how do you help people in the form of coaching with with that like the spiritual coaching aspect of it? As a pastor, I help and support people when they want to grow in their faith. But the work that I really love to do is when people are really up against it, whether it's in the middle of grief or they've got a health diagnosis that has knocked them down, or if they have a fear they need to overcome. When they hit that wall or there's a door in front of them and they don't know how to go through it, I love doing that work when people are just up against the really hard and difficult stuff. So like to um, support them. Like to support, yeah. Has this always come naturally to you or, or have you gone through your own um, sort of knocking on the door and not knowing how to open it or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, that door's knocked me down a few times. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the first time I learned I had that power within me was when I was 18 years old. I was always very shy. I had big brothers. I never had to stand up for myself. There was always somebody else there. But I was really smart and I wanted to go places in this world and realized that, you know, I had to be able to find that within myself, that inner strength to do the things that I wanted to do. So I joined the Army National Guard and I didn't want to do something I could do anywhere else. I figured if I'm going to do that, do something I'd never get a chance to do otherwise. So I signed up to be a helicopter mechanic because, you know, why not? Awesome. And in Army AIT, which comes after basic training, basic training, they teach you to be a soldier. In AIT, they teach you whatever job you're going to do. And in my case, the Huey helicopter mechanic. And I went to basic training between my junior and senior year of high school and after high school to AIT before college. And I was of this mindset of, okay, I'm headed to college. I got to go check this Army thing off my list real quick. And then I'm getting on with my life. Well, I got there. Oh, it was very clear in that first minute, I was either going to 
fail miserably and wash out totally, or I was going to come out on top and I needed to make a decision pretty dang quick, which it was going to be. And I decided to come out on top. And for the first time in my life, I chose myself and I chose to believe that I was powerful. And I was. Who knew? Who knew? And I think there's power in just making that decision when you decide this is who I am or this is what I will do. There's so much power in that. And of course, the universe is going to give you many opportunities to say, are you sure? Are you really sure this is who you are? This is what you want? Really? Are you sure? Right. It's funny, like uh, the the universe coming at you with the, are you sure? I have a a game that I play with people or, or maybe a different way of looking at things. You know, when, when someone makes a commitment and then an obstacle comes in and they go, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be, you know, the universe is telling me to do something else. And I say, or maybe the universe is giving you a chance to recommit to that decision you made in the first place, because you know, they want to see how bad, you know, how bad do you really want it? You can show yourself how bad you really want it. This is a good segue into your podcast because um, I'm sure it was not comfortable to join the army. Uh, your podcast is called Pursuing Uncomfortable. Why would someone want to pursue uncomfortable? Like, I agree with you 100%. Like, just that title, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, to somebody who maybe sees comfort as a virtue or a good thing to pursue, why would you want to pursue uncomfortable? It doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> it does I'm to me because I'm here. always uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable here. Uncomfortable's over there. Why would I go over there when I can stay here? Right. Water oh. does not flow uphill. Water flows downhill. Right? Yeah. You know, I have heard people in the two plus decades that I've been supporting people say, I thought I had what I wanted, but I really wish I would have taken a chance. You know, comfort is such an illusion because it costs us something to stay comfortable. When we lean into the uncomfortable thing, whether it's a fear of something new like public speaking or snakes or heights or singing in front of people, that would be mine, by the way. When we lean into those things, we grow and we're stretched and it has ripple effects far beyond that one instance. And we're capable of so much more and our lives become a little more purposeful, a little more joyful. Have you ever, okay, here's a great example from the Midwest and I'm really looking forward to this moment. Yeah. But there's a point in the spring when the cold weather is finally done and you go outside and the sun is out and there's not a 30 mile an hour wind. <laughs> and you look up to the sky and just the sun is just shining on you and it's warm. And you're like, oh, golly, I so missed this. I'm so glad I did this. That's the feeling that's available when you lean into the difficult stuff. You didn't realize how much you needed it until you did it. Yeah. And then it's out of your life. 
it's like a workout, right? If it, if it's, if it's a little bit challenging, it's, you know, it's still doable, but it's a little bit challenging. That's going to make you stronger, faster, better endurance, all mm -hmm. that. I, I went to a seminar in my early twenties and it was an experiential seminar. And I, I grew up, I was a complete people pleaser. Like I would just completely sell out my own dreams and visions for whoever else was coming along telling me what to do. I and, have some experience uh, with that myself. Yeah, I think most people <laughs> do. Um, so I guess one of the teachers in the seminar kind of identified that in me. And so they gave me this, it was like my, my thesis for the, the class to finish the class. I had to go into a restaurant with my invisible girlfriend on a date and pretend for the whole dinner that I was actually sitting across from somebody. And so the waiter would come over and he said, what would you like, sir? And I said, I would like this. Oh, and she will have, and, and I'll order for her. So the waiter played along. He like brought a plate for me. He brought a plate for her. The whole, we go through the whole dinner, you know, I get a little bag, little box up her food that she didn't eat. And then at the end, I got down on one knee and proposed to my invisible girlfriend and pretended that she said yes. Like I had to sell it because there was a spy yeah. in the other booth from the seminar watching me, making sure I actually did it. <laughs> so, I mean, you could imagine like, it could have been the most embarrassing thing that I had ever done, but I choose to, or I, I chose to see it as a positive. And like you said, it was over, you know, it was said and done. This happened 20 years ago. And I still remember it as being like a, um, a pivotal part of my life because anytime I get scared to do something or uncomfortable, I just say, Oh, come on. You proposed to your invisible girlfriend. You could do this. Right. It's like, exactly embarrass the heck out of yourself who cares right yeah and you know this AIT experience you know it was back in the 80s and their training methods have changed some since then but it was kind of brutal yeah I, bet. <laughs> and, uh, I was one of only two women in the whole thing and the other woman was much further ahead in the training than I was so I felt really isolated in just about every way I could feel isolated. And when we would go out and do runs, I mean, I felt pretty good about my run time. It was well within the parameters. I didn't get to set a pace. We went at the pace that the guys ran. Right. I was expected to keep up and okay. And you run in a pack and that made all the difference because I could, there were times, Chris, I couldn't see any longer. I mean, literally didn't have vision left, but I could keep moving my feet. So I kept moving my feet and, um, you know, a guy would fall out of the run and that would give me a little more adrenaline boost. Like, all right, I got this. I got this and just keep going until I can't. And I didn't get to the point where I couldn't in my head. I figured I did, but I just, nope, keep going. Just keep going. Just yeah. keep going. One more step. One more step. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Melissa, we're getting close to the end. I want to give you a chance to do a motivational speech. So we're going to put you in front of a graduating class uh, at a university or maybe in a corporation awesome. to uh, some, some business people. Your speech is called How I Think You Can Get the Most Out of Your Life. Now, in the spirit of pursuing uncomfortable, you mentioned you were you know, afraid of singing in front of people. So we're going to make you give your motivational speech singing so I'm just, Excellent. Playing. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I wouldn't make you do that unless you wanted to. But um, what what is your like one to two minute motivational speech on how uh, this graduating class can get the most out of their lives? 
Great, thank you for inviting me to speak today. My wish for you, for every single one of you from the bottom of my heart, is that you all go out and fail spectacularly with arrogance and aplomb. And I wish that for you because I don't want you to stay there. I want you to do it. And I want you to pick yourself back up because then you will know that there's nothing that can keep you down. If you can fail and stand back up, you can rule the world. If you need support along the way, give me a call. Nice, I love that. Fail and stand back up, getting uncomfortable. And that's the way, you know, failure really doesn't exist because it's just feedback, right? And it's not over well, yet. It, it only exists if you stay there. Yeah, if you stop. Once you get back up, it's a story along the way to your success. It's a story along the way to your success. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. And hopefully a funny one that you can share yeah, with us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Melissa, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, website, and then you got your podcast. Yeah, this is a tricky one. MelissaEbkin.com. That is code for MelissaEbkin.com. Perfect. So, nice and easy. <laughs> the nice. email is Melissa at MelissaEbkin.com. Nice. Everyone's got that. Cool. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, this is Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Jenke, joined today with Melissa Epkin. Thanks, Melissa. And uh, we'll be thank in touch. You, Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Health in the Real World show. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment down below. Visit mycorebalance.com to learn more.